All right, turning your Bibles to John chapter 19 for a little while. And uh, this is a kind of nerve-wracking service tonight because I've not preached to this many people on Wednesday night in a long time. Amen. We've been down to faithful few, but all you workers, we appreciate you so much. In the Master Club ministry, I was at a preacher's meeting two, Monday. I was supposed to stay to Tuesday. And Connie and I decided we'd uh, leave early, so we didn't stay. Uh, for the whole thing because it was uh, 12 straight hours of preaching and uh, I can't take all that 12 hours in a row, amen, so I just uh, decided I'd leave early, but um, one uh, preacher came in from Commerce and said, it sounds like y'all having a little touch of revival up in Dalton, Georgia, and it sort of took me off guard, I said, praise God. I guess it is revival if uh, people are getting saved and baptized like Sunday and they survived. Amen, Brother Hunter. You don't have pneumonia. That's a revival. Amen. And thank the Lord. He's a survival, really. And uh, we promise you the next time you get baptized, uh, we'll have it warmer. Only kidding. You know, there's only one baptism. Amen. One Lord. And thank God, one salvation. Amen. But anyway, uh, I, I appreciated that compliment. We have a little taste of revival. So maybe we don't. We don't uh, realize how blessed we are that people are coming back to church and that people are being saved and that the offerings are still up and we just take God for granted, think, think, it's, think it's all bad, whine around here, and I refuse to do that. I believe we're on the winning side. Matter of fact, I have a request for the trio to sing, I'm on the winning side, not this Sunday. I know y'all have already practiced a lot for the songs you're singing, but uh, I love that song, We Are On The Winning Side. And I refuse to be negative and pessimistic no matter what happens because I want to tell you something. Um, heaven's awakeness, and thank God we the devil's defeated, and we have the Word of God, and we ought to be excited about it. Amen? And we ought to be grateful for all his blessings. And so thank God for that. And speaking of blessings, I was going to let Brother Kevin do this, but uh, he's in Colorado, right, I think, and then... Uh, uh, Brother Jeremy, I don't know where he's at, and Brother Mark, the only time he's going to be here is Easter, I think, and uh, so I was going to get those three because they've all switched over to this missions um, endeavor called Vision Baptist Missions, and uh, they're trying to raise a lot of money for 69 acres of land in Ball Ground, Georgia, and and build a college and build a missionary uh a uh, place where people can come off the field and live, and uh, they just got a great big plans, and uh, they need a lot. They need some great big money. One church uh, voted last Wednesday to give fifty thousand dollars to the endeavor. Now, I know we won't give fifty thousand dollars, but it'd be good if we could give something. And we're going to start the offering this Sunday, and I have special offering envelopes that they sent me yesterday called Our Generation Easter Offering. I know we'll just begin it this coming Sunday, but I want you to pray about that. I want you to be part of the mission endeavor that Brother Kevin and Brother Jeremy and Brother Mark believe in, and they're out of our church very much. They teach in that college, and you know that Brother Austin's out of our church, so I think we ought to have a big part in it. So I want you to pray about that, and I know that's a lot of money to think about raising two more million dollars. I already raised a million and I bought the land. And uh, about to clear it out, clear it off, and then they're going to sell some of it to pay for it. And so uh, it's, they've got a great plan, and it's all to train more missionaries 
and send more young people out into the field. And another person that's really behind it is my son-in-law, Brother Trent. Amen. And he's really excited about it. And so I've got a lot invested in it. It's my family, but it's also our missionaries. And I think uh, it's one of the most progressive and uh, aggressive mission boards there is. And I'm part of Macedonia World Baptist Missions, but I love Vision Baptist Missions. And I want you to pray about it. Some of you don't like it, uh, don't give. Amen. Uh, but you that like it and want to see uh, uh, more souls saved around the world, give. And maybe you could tithe off all the money that President Biden's giving you. Amen. $2,800 went in my, you know, I almost preached on entitlement tonight. You know, the reason we can't find workers is because everybody feels like they're entitled. We're not entitled to nothing. We're sinners saved by the grace of God. And folks, we're not entitled to our rights. We're not entitled to this or that. Now, I'll take it, and I'll spend it for the glory of God and, uh, and probably waste a little of it too. But I want you to know, friend, God help us if we have this entitlement, you know, that everything's free and we don't have to work. We can stay home and get more money by being unemployed. That's why you can't find workers. And I, don't get me started on that. Let's get to this great, uh, I want to preach on two words. I thirst. Go to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. By the way, let me just uh, be a prophet. And I'm not a prophet or a son of prophet. The taxes are coming. That's all I want to say. Amen. Okay, anyway. Uh, John chapter 19. <clears throat> John chapter 19. And look at verse 25 through 30. Okay? Amen. And uh, I, I hope that you'll get a blessing out of this message uh, tonight. I got two outlines, so I'm really nervous, and I'll try to just preach one uh, tonight. But uh, this is two words. The first um, uh, two words I memorized in the Bible was Jesus wept. Well, these two words are powerful words, and it's found in verse 28. Let's stand on the Word of God, and I'll read verses 26 through 30. Looking forward to Easter. And uh, boy, if we have a crowd like this, it'll be wonderful. And I'm sure we're going to have a full house. And some people are not coming back to after Easter, and that's fine. We have an overflow room. We're also going to put some people in the choir. And uh, we'll, we'll have every uh, precaution we can. And uh, thank the Lord uh, that things are getting better. You say, I don't think they're getting better. Well, they'll get better when you get to heaven. Say amen. So anyway, uh, some people don't feel better until they get there. But look at verse 25. It says, now there stood by the cross of Jesus' mother and his mother's sister's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene had demons cast out of her, so she ought to have been grateful about being saved. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, that's John, he said unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. Now, I preached on that Sunday morning, Sunday night, had the time of my life. But I want to go on a little further. It says, and he said to his disciples, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, the disciples took her into his own home. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished. Amen. That's why we're on the winning side. It says, Now that all things are now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. There was a set of vessel full of vinegar. They filled a sponge with vinegar and put it put a, upon a hyssop uh, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. Amen. And he bowed his head 
and gave up the ghost. You may be seated as I preach for a few moments on I thirst. Father, thank you for Calvary. Thank you for your love. Thank you, dear God, that you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in you should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Lord, I thank you for sparing us and being with us. We do pray for those who are hurting and those who are in the hospital. We pray, God, you divinely intervene, that you give doctors and nurses uh, the wisdom. And God, I pray most important of all that they're saved, that they're in your hands. And God, I pray that during this time of uncertainty, we'd, we'd realize there's one thing that is certain, that you love us, that you're still on the throne. And God, you loved us enough to die for us. And if people will only receive you as their personal Savior, they'll go to heaven instead of hell. So Lord, thank you, dear God, for those two words that you said I thirst. God, may we realize what that's all about and why you said those words and why, dear God, we'll never thirst in hell because you thirst. God, thank you for taking our place. Thank you, God, for taking our sin debt and paying it when we could never pay it. So, Lord, please help me as I preach. We're going to praise you and thank you, Lord, for what you do in and through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, our Lord was crucified at 9 a.m., and he spent the first three hours in daylight. And then as I preached Sunday night, and I don't know if you got anything out of Sunday night's message, but I sure did, um, it became dark. There was a great witness, a supernatural witness. The sun refused to shine for three hours in the middle of the day. And then after three hours, the sun resurrected. The sun broke through the clouds. And what a great day that was, folks. But I want to tell you something. His last three statements, the first was about his enemies, the thief, and then, of course, his mother and John. But the last three statements are focusing upon himself. His body, I thirst. His soul, it is finished. And his spirit, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Body, soul, and spirit, all offered for your salvation. Folks, he gave his all. And I think it's an insult to tip God. I think it's an insult to, to just give some of our life to God. I believe that he deserves everything. And I believe that we ought to be so indebted to him and so gracious, so grateful that we see uh, him on the cross and it stirs us not just to weep and not just to have remorse, but to have commitment and give our lives as a living sacrifice. I want you to notice three things uh, tonight about um, uh, this phrase that he said, I thirst. Number one, we see the suffering son of man. I want to use the term son of man. And folks, it's well known that thirst um, is the supreme cause of distress. And according to my chiropractor, I think he's a pre bootleg preacher, really, and I don't go to him as often as some of the people in my family, but um, uh, he, is, uh, he, is, he is dogmatic 
on drinking water. He thinks that, boy, all your bones are going to creak and you're going to be unstable and you're going to get dehydrated. And he always accuses me of being dehydrated and saying that's all your problem. Your feet wouldn't hurt. Your bones wouldn't hurt. Your muscles wouldn't hurt if you had just give up that sweet tea and drink water. And I go out of there every time and say I'm giving it up. And I'm going to start drinking water till I start a restroom ministry. But it, that, I hadn't got there yet. Amen. So water's important. It's life. It's the lubrication of the joints. Amen. And if you ever get dehydrated, you're faint, you're ill, and you are sore. Can somebody say amen and go down to Dr. Lefford and tell him he's right? But I want you to know, friend, folks, we need water. Angels do not need water. Hey, folks, I want to tell you something. In our spiritual body, I don't believe we'll need water. And so, folks, there's, there's a great message in these two words, I thirst. It's telling us that he took on the form of a man. He was born in humanity. While Christ is and always will be God in the fullest sense, he was and is uh, also a perf perfect humanity. He was the seed of woman, Genesis 3.15, the first prophecy of the, of the Bible. A truly human person who knew the reactions and experiences which are common to nature. There's many times where he was hungry, Matthew chapter 4, verse 2. He was weary, John chapter 4, verse 6. He was angry, Mark chapter 3, verse 5. Sounds like human, don't it? But I want to tell you something. He was compassionate, Mark chapter 1, verse 41. He was joyful, um, sorrowful, tempted, thirsty, thirsty. He called himself in John chapter 8, verse 40, man. He was called man by Pilate, John chapter 19, and verse 5. Turn back with me there. It's in the same chapter. It says, then came Jesus forth wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe, and Pilate said unto them, behold the man. So he wasn't a force. He wasn't just a spirit. He took on humanity. He, uh, he hurt. Uh, he wept. I'm sure he laughed some at his disciples' futile words and actions sometimes. But this fifth word of Christ from the cross, evidence his humanity. And folks, he was God the Father, and God the Father does not thirst in heaven. Angels do not thirst in heaven. Our glorified body will not thirst in heaven. But the Lord thirsted while he was here on this earth. At Jacob's well, he requested the Samaritan woman, give me a drink. Now, you know she, he was setting her up, amen, to say, I am the living water. And you've been drinking from five husbands that's not your husband and married to one now that's not your husband and you're living a wicked, adulterous life and you're a half-breed Samaritan, but I must needs go through Samaria. Isn't that the, our Lord? Amen. You better never accuse me of being prejudiced or any or supreme or anything else, folks. We're, if we're like Jesus, we love all people. Amen. We want to reach all people for whosoever. And folks, um, he said in Psalms chapter 21, it was prophesied in Psalms chapter 22, excuse me, 
my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. In Psalm 69, verse 3, my throat is dry. Folks, I want to tell you something, folks. We see the obedience in this saying. In John chapter 19, verse 28, the Bible says, he said that it might, uh, he said the scriptures might be fulfilled. He said, I thirst. I thirst. Folks, there's obedience in those two words. I thirst. He left the splendor and glory of heaven. He left the splendor and glory of heaven for you and me. He gave up the glory of heaven and came to this earth is rejected and it was smitten for our iniquities. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was thirsty that we'd never be thirsty in hell. He was thirsty that we'd never have to thirst for the things of this world which never satisfies. How marvelous the prophetic preview of this one event called Calvary. I just want to give you a few of them. In Psalms 41, verse 9, I'll get to the outline in a minute. Brother uh, Cody, just hang on. Uh, Psalms 41, verse 9, he said he'd be betrayed by familiar friends. Uh, I ain't got time to go over all this because y'all want to be out by 8 uh, just to prove y'all can get out early. But I didn't come to leave, by the way. I came to be blessed. Amen. And I've already been through eight hours of preaching in one day. This is going to seem brief if I preach an hour. Won't seem brief to you, but it'll seem brief to me. The Bible says in Psalms 31, verse 11, that he'll be forsaken by his own disciples. They'll be offended at, uh, and they'll be offended at him. Uh, Psalms 35, verse 11. Look it up later. There'd be fake accusations at the mock trials. There never has been a more unfair trial than when our Lord faced those trials. And they were all illegal. In Psalms, or Isaiah 53, 7, says he'd be silent before his judges, like a lamb before his shears, dumb. In Psalms 22, verse 16, that I went over the dark hours and what happened in the dark hours. And what happened in the dark hours, he took the darkness of your hell so you wouldn't have to go there. And now, after all that, he says, I thirst. And folks, um, the Bible says in Psalms 22, verse 16, he'd be crucified and describes it. In Psalms 109, verse 25, that he'd have the mockery of the spectators. He'd be taunted in Psalms 22. Verse 7 and 8, and he was, that he'd pray for his enemies. Isaiah 53, verse 12. And the Bible says in Psalms 22, verse 1, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was a prophecy that he'd be even forsaken by God because God could not look on sin. Oh, folks, the yielding of the Spirit into the hands of the Father is predicted in Psalms 31.5. That the bones would not be broken. Psalms 34 verse 20. See, they broke the thief's legs so they would, they would literally suffocate their own fluid. And the only hope for a person that was being crucified and they nailed him, his heels on each side of that, that old rugged tree and they... Um, and, and, and they'd have to lean up and, go, and come back down to breathe. 
And when they wanted them to die, they'd just break their legs and they could not breathe. They could not get another breath. They would just, they would just uh, uh, die in their own fluid. They didn't break his bones. And I'll tell you why they didn't break his bones. Nobody took his life. He gave his life. He could have called 10,000 angels. One would have done the trick because I want to tell you something. One angel could wipe out that puny crowd and this whole world. But he, he gave his life. I thirst was on purpose. You ought to thank God for what he did for you and for me. Sinners that had no way. And so how firm a foundation the Word of God is. I believe the Word of God because it's inspired and preserved. I'm talking about the King James Bible. If you use anything else, you need to get a Bible. But I want to tell you something, friend. I believe this Bible because of every prophecy that came true to the exact minute detail at Calvary, at his birth, at his life. And folks, as surely as he came the first time, he's coming the second time. Amen. I see, folks, the, um, the, the suffering of the Son of Man. He felt double torment, exposed to the darkness and the loneliness. And I believe it was a physical cry to prove that he was man, but it was also a spiritual cry. And folks, the obedience of that of that of our Savior. I preached last week. Wanted to preach this week, but um, I just felt led to preach this since we was going to all be together, and I knew we'd have this great congregation. So I thought this would be a good Passion Week. Whether he was crucified on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, y'all go ahead and debate that. I just know he was crucified. Amen. And folks, I, you know, this might be good Wednesday. Praise God. But anyway. His mouth was dry and parched. His throat was hot and scorched. He longed for more water to cool his lips. But folks, he was obedient Savior. He was an obedient Savior because not all his thirst was physical. His thirst was spiritual. All the pains of the cross had been summed up in this final sense of separation that has made his soul feel deserted and because uh, God was nowhere to be found. And he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And folks, it helps to show that there was a spiritual passion behind that cry. I thirst. I thirst. I believe it was a sacrificial passion. It was the cost of sin. I want you to turn to Psalms 42, verse 1 and 2. You know the verses, but I want to, I want to read it in closing. And don't pack up yet. I'm going to preach just a few more minutes. And I won't, I won't keep you long. I appreciate you being here. Psalms 42, verse 1 and 2. Some of the greatest verses in the Psalms. It says, As a heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Do you believe, and I know, I know it's true, that Jesus was longing to be with God. In John chapter 17, the real Lord's Prayer, he said he, he, wanted to be, he wanted to be in the glory again. He wanted to be in his glory. He wanted to be in his presence. It says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When I shall come 
uh, and appear before God. And so, folks, I believe that not only was it a, um, uh, a longing physically, but I believe it was a longing spiritually, the comfort of God's presence. I want to say something. I want to say it real, real, real kindly. Parents, you ought to develop an appetite for God in your children. Thank God for parents that bring their children up in the nurture and admonition of God. And folks, and, and Andrew said amen, I say amen. I had a mama that we did not debate about church. We didn't even uh, think about not going to church. We didn't vote on going to church. I mean, when it was church time, here we go. And we had our best on, and we didn't have much, but what we had, she, she had it ironed on Saturday night. If it was blue jeans or overhaul. And I guess what? My daddy could have been drunk all week, which he usually was, but on Sunday morning, he knew if he was going to have Sunday dinner, he was going to be in Sunday school and church. And he used to read his courtly every 11 o'clock hour so he wouldn't hear that hellfire brimstone Southern Baptist preacher and almost went to hell reading his Sunday school courtly. But thank God for a mother that wet my appetite that gave me a desire to be in church. And folks, I think we ought to do that. And I think the folks to do that, you can't take somebody where you're not at, that we ought to have an appetite. I mean, friend, we ought to be more excited about this service tonight than we are the Bloomed Braves opening game in Pittsburgh in the snow or Philadelphia or wherever they're going to play. Come on, say amen. Folks, we're, we're sports fanatics in America. We ought to be more excited about the things of God and the presence of God than we would be for any person that comes to this town, any celebrity, any concert, any politicians. There ought to be a, a, a godly desire to be in God's presence under God's word with all our heart. We ought to thirst, thirst. Folks, one day, one day there'll be no thirst in heaven because it'll be a crescendo of worship. But until then, we need to develop it. We need to, we need to, we need to do something in our lives to remind us every day how much we need God. Every day you ought to wake up, take a big deep breath, or have a big thought. That's hard for some of us, amen? Just a thought and say, thank you, Lord, for that breath. Thank you, Lord, for that thought. Some people can't think. And I'm getting there, so pray for me. I'll be out of here sooner or later. But I'll say this, friend. Until then, I'm going to use every thought for God. I want to use every breath for God. And, folks, I want to tell you something. The Bible says if we would get an appetite for the Word of God like we do food, we would be, we'd be uh, excellent Christians, amen? I love to eat, say amen right there. How many love to eat? I miss eating with y'all. Today, uh, we got busy and we didn't eat till three o'clock and I want to tell you something. I ate so quick that my wife looked at me and said, I don't think you chewed anything. She's my mama too, amen, praise God. But anyway, I said, no mama, I didn't. I was so hungry because I was waiting on you 
to 3 o'clock, I just gobbled it down. Cube steak, collard greens, mashed potatoes, and yes, I broke my diet. I went with sweet tea because I thought I deserved it. Amen. She had chicken liver. I wouldn't eat chicken liver if I was dying. She was on about two of them after I'd already got all that. I was hungry. The Bible says what a thirst and hunger after righteousness. What a big sign. How many has ever been thirsty and you just long for a drink of Gatorade after you worked in that yard all day long? That's what, that's what rescues me. I just work all day and I go in and I'll just find the Gatorade and just guzzle one of them down. It's wonderful. I don't know who invented that stuff, but I love it. Praise God. And I feel like I can go back out and sit down and look at what I did because <laughs> I'm dead, tired, can't move. Hallelujah. You ever been in surgery? They take all the water away from you. And man, you, would, you never drank water in your life until then. Then you look at the clock. And man, you can't have a drop of water. Man, have you ever got up for your little physical? I get one every six months on purpose. I don't know why I'm required to or I don't get my free money entitlement. And so here I am every six months. I wake, and they say, what time you want your appointment? I said, I want that appointment before the office hours. Amen? Because if you give it me 2 o'clock or 1 o'clock, I'm going to be dying time I get here. Amen? I get up, can't have my sweet tea. I can't have my, my hot tea. I can't have my eggs and bacon. I can't have anything. And buddy, I'm going to tell you something. The first thing I do after a physical is I hightail it to Bojangles, praise God. I order two biscuits and not let anybody know it. And I sit there with my sweet tea and my two Bojangle biscuits and I enjoy it. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. And folks, I want to tell you something. We ought to have a longing for God like that. Folks, what, what is it? We're in this council society and this uh, society that's trying to legislate that we can't do this and can't do that. And I understand it and I, and I respect it and I've tried to be respectful. But I want to tell you something, friend. There ought to be a longing in your heart for the things of God. There ought to be a longing in your heart for the altar. There ought to be a longing in your heart for sweet music. There ought to be a longing in your heart. And folks, I believe that we need to be thirsty for the things of God. And that is what is happening here. Not only was there a physical thirst to prove the humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ, but folks, there was a thirst for heaven. And I believe last but not least, and I'll just close with this. It's probably not even the outline, Brother Cody, so don't get confused. But I have a thirst for souls. I believe with all my heart when he said, I thirst, he had in mind. What's that song? When I was on the cross, he, I was on his mind. Is that the name of it? And folks, our thirst ought to be like his thirst. We ought to be thirsty souls to have a satisfying of God's presence in their life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means you have need of nothing when he's your shepherd. But he says he maketh me to lie down in green pastures and he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What a purpose. What else does he do? He leadeth me beside the still water. Sheep are skittish animals. They, they're afraid of running water. They'll die before they drink running water. The shepherd 
has to come along and make a guff or a trough and, and, and steal the water. Or they will literally die before they'll drink running water. And folks, I thank God, especially during these last two years, and you don't know the stresses upon this old preacher. I thank God for the still water of his presence. I thank God for the still water when all this is crashing in on us and all the pressures of, of business and, and, and industry and, and politics and, and this health problems and, and people dying and people sick, we can have still water. Folks, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. We can even go through death. And death should not scare you. It's what's afterwards that ought to scare you. The judgment seat of Christ. Amen? One day. And facing him face to face. But I want to say this, friend. We see that he was burdened for souls. I want you to turn to a couple more verses. Uh, and, and I think it's on the next slide, brother. But I want you to look at John chapter 4, verse 14. John chapter 4, verse 14. I, I tell you what, let's just go to John 16 to save time real quick. John 16, and I want you to look at verse 24. 16, 24. Excuse me, Luke, Luke, Luke. Chapter 16. You know where I'm going. Verse 24. And folks, this is a real story about a real man, and I want to tell you something, friend. We need to see it very clearly. It says in verse 24, it says, And I cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his leprous finger, in, excuse me for adding that, in water, and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. The rich man went to hell. He said, please send Lazarus to dip his one finger in, in, in the liquid called water and cool my tongue. He was thirsting. And it was forever and ever and ever he's physically parched, scorched, doomed and damned in the darkness of hell. But I'm going to tell you what the, the thirst of hell is going to be for Christ for heaven, for forgiveness, for God's presence. And folks, I want you to know with all my heart, I believe that we ought to have a thirst to see souls saved as never before because they're going to thirst forever in hell, burning forever in hell, never satisfied in hell, never never fulfilled in hell. Lonely and dark and tormented, the thought life in hell will be of regret. The worm dieth not. That refers to the thought life. They're going to regret over and over and over again that they did not come to Easter service this Sunday at a little Baptist church on Dugap Road and hear the gospel and get saved. They're going to regret it. When they didn't pick up that track that got their attention about COVID and inside was the blessed plan of salvation that they didn't read it and they didn't accept it. And so folks, listen, there's a lot of thirst going on, physical, 
the thirst for God's presence. But I believe with all my heart, there's a thirst. There's a thirst for souls. He took your hell that you'll never have to go there. And he took your thirst that you can be totally satisfied. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. The last invitation of the Bible. The last invitation of the Bible. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. The Bible says, In the Spirit and the Bride. I'll wait on you. Let's go back to the index and turn back to the last page. It says, In the Spirit and the Bride. Now, who's the bride? That's us. Amen? It says, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. I want you to notice this next phrase. Let him that is a thirst come. Whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. I mean, thank God for the water of life. And folks, there was a cry of the human one, but there was a cry of the holy one. And folks, I want you to know that we ought to be moved with compassion as he was moved with compassion. What a long thirst for people to miss hell. I have written in the front of my Bible. The fear of God is the awesome dread of displeasing Him and knowing God knows is the fear of God. That's not all I got written in front of my Bible. I got, dear Lord, help me never get used to seeing boys and girls and men and ladies go to hell. I thirst. I thirst. I want to ask you a question. What do you thirst for? What are you developing in your children a thirst for? Prestige? Power? Their way? What they want? I tell you what the greatest blessing a parent can have. It's when their child's thirst to please God. Thirst for His presence. Thirst for the Word of God. Thirst to see their friends saved. First word was, Father, forgive them. Folks, He's still long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And he says in the last verse, last invitation, let him that a thirst come, whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Father, use this message to give us an appetite for your presence. A lot of us, have appetite for food and our favorite ones like the cube steak I had this afternoon, the collard greens and the mashed potatoes. Lord, you know my mother developed that kind of appetite in my life by making me eat it when I didn't want to eat it. Making me eat greens, making me eat potatoes, 
Lord, I thank God for it. But the thing I thank God for my mother the most, <clears throat> I don't know why she's so heavy on my mind today, is because she developed in my heart and my life <clears throat> an appetite for the things of God, for your presence, for your power, for your wisdom, and for your spirit to dominate my life. God, forgive us when we get more excited about the things of the world and we don't savor the things of God as you said Peter did. God, help us to be the salt that whets the appetite of this world that has no interest and no respect for you. And I apologize for that, Lord. And I don't know why our country's going the way it's going. <clears throat> but I believe they've lost the appetite. And Lord, maybe it's our fault because we haven't been the salt and the light that this world needs. So God, forgive us our half-baked Christianity. Forgive us for our lukewarmness. Forgive us for our lack of passion. God, give us a holy thirst as you had on the cross for your presence. And God, give us a holy thirst that others that have no fulfillment in this life might get saved. With every head bowed, every eye closed, and I dismissed early tonight because I don't have to wait for you at 8.30 to get finished. But could we take a little time to pray? I mean really pray. Not go through the motions now and not leave before we leave, but just say, God, I can't handle this life without you. And I can't handle another day without your presence. And I need the power of prayer in my life for my, my backslidden children or my lost children. I need your presence more than I need life. Should be our prayer. And you'd say, preacher, tonight, I know someone that has no appetite for the things of God. I know somebody that has no appetite for God and the things of God. And I want to be the salt. I want to be the light. I want to have a passion like our Lord had a passion for God's presence, and God's power, and even God's peace when everything else is falling apart around us. And that's your prayer tonight. Would you slip your hand up humbly for prayer? God bless you. Yes. I got to raise both mine. I got to raise both of them. Not for a show, but I need God. I need God more in my ministry than I've ever needed in my life. Been more pressure this past year than I've ever fathomed in, in all my 47 years of preaching. More disappointments. To someone, you're the best Christian they know. And I hope 
We're not a salt that's lost its savor or lost its flavor. But that we have a thirst for the things of God is my prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.